Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. For being here, guys, back on Zoom, which hopefully this will be the last time we ever have RUF on Zoom. That's my hope. So, you know, hopefully the pandemic will just decline and it'll keep getting better and this will just be a distant memory someday. But uh, kind of glad to be with you one last time, though. We might got to make the most of it. And uh what we did last week and what we'll do again tonight is look at a psalm. Uh, just wanted to take the opportunity to look at a couple of psalms uh, from the Bible because uh, they show us how we can relate to God. Like these are prayers and songs. They were part of Israel's songbook uh, that would show God's people how to how they could relate to God. And... Uh, Psalm 13 is a really unique one, uh, so I'm excited to share with you. But um, before I do, uh, I, you know, speaking of funny stories, there was a girl in RUF a long time ago, and uh, she was sitting in the U one time. She was telling me the story. She was sitting in the U, and uh, you know at those tables, like by Duncan, you know, like the small tables, and... She was sitting there alone back in the days when the U was really crowded before COVID. Like, you know, no one could find a seat. And so this guy walked up and was like, there was an open seat across from her. And he was like, can I sit here? And she was like, yeah, sure. You know, she's nice. She's just studying, you know, in between classes. And he goes, uh, hey, your ears kind of stick out a lot. You know, I think that you can get that like surgically repaired. And, uh, she's, she's really nice. You know, she's a really nice, so she's like, ah, thanks. Like, okay, maybe. And then, uh, a little bit later he goes, so do you want to go out sometime? And she's like, uh, no, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because it's just like, no, dude, you can't say that. Like you can't, you can't say that in first thing. And then if you say it, you definitely can't say you want to go out sometime. Like, that's not how you do this. And uh, we're going to read Psalm 13. And it, Psalm 13 shows us something, things we can say to God that are pretty surprising. That you would think, you know, you can't say that. And you actually can. And so Psalm 13 goes like this. Let me read it for us. You can pull it up uh, however you want. Um, it says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Okay, it's kind of an amazing psalm, right? Um, 
you know, one of the most common metaphors for life with God and growth in faith is a journey, right? Like it's all over the Bible, the idea of a journey. We talk about our faith journey and our walk with the Lord. And, um, you know, it's, this metaphor is everywhere in the church and church history. And I want you to think about a journey because every journey that we you take has different parts to it, you know, it has different phases. Like, if you were with us on our fall retreat last fall when we went to the Jersey Shore, uh, then you know, like, you know, first we gathered by South Garage and then the ride started and the ride has different phases. You know, there's like small talk phase and there's like people fall asleep phase and or there's, you know, conversations between individuals happen and then you get there and then all everything goes on. There's all these different parts to the journey. You know, it's a one big journey and Psalm 13 is a journey. And it's meant to pattern our journey with God. Uh, it's meant to kind of set the uh, framework for what the journey with God is like, uh, which is why it's a hymn. Like this was sung by God's people. It has been sung for m- millennia now. And it's a remarkable journey. And it starts in a really interesting place. So uh, it starts with honestly crying out, and then it moves to boldly seeking God's help, and then it ends in reaffirming trust in God. So it starts with honestly crying out. And we see it in the first couple of verses. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long? How long? How long? Four times. Uh, and when you ask a question like how long four times, you're not actually asking how long, right? You're, you're not like looking for the information. You're expressing a feeling, in this case, a feeling of, I can't do this anymore. A feeling of, hey, where are you? Like abandonment. I thought you were my friend. I thought you were for me. Everything is going wrong. Don't you care? Uh, It's stuff you should care about, by the way. You know, this is King David, God's man, leader of God's people, uh, telling God about how the enemies of God's people are threatening him. You know, it's like, God, you should care about this. And it seems like you don't. And which is just amazing because what it shows, first of all, is that God can handle it when we let it all out. You know, I would classify this as like, you know, we feel like this is kind of uncomfortable honesty, right? Uh, No other religion has this at all. Like no other religion uh, has a God that invites honesty like this saying like, you know, this is how you can sing to me. This is how you can pray to me. And it's very different from what we know or what we're used to. You know, think about what do we do in the midst of suffering, in the midst of sorrow and pain and sadness. Uh, We numb, first of all. Uh, you know, more than ever today, it's like, well, I can pull out my phone and scroll and I won't feel anything or I can do something to feel good so I don't feel this or I'll zone out. I'll just binge watch like 30 episodes of something, whatever it is you do, you know, drugs, alcohol, you know, they're all accomplishing this goal of numbing because I don't want to feel that. Or if you don't numb, maybe you get busy. Uh, you know, you pretend it's not overwhelming by just doing, 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 getting busy, you know, filling your schedule, doing so much so you don't have to think about how you feel. Or if you don't do that, you maybe you get cynical. Uh, you know, you lower your expectations so you don't ever have to be disappointed. You know, you're just never hurt because you're always expecting things to be bad. And if you don't do those things, another kind of a Christian-y thing you can do is you sugarcoat 
you can dismiss feelings kind of with like half truths from scripture, like, oh, you know, it'll be all right in the end and, and not feel the sadness. Uh, there's this great book called The Healing Path by a counselor named Dan Allender. And, uh, he talks about the way we sugarcoat. And he said this, he said, one believer said to me, I'm never powerless because I can do all things through Christ. Really? Can you raise your dead father from the grave? Can you pluck the pancreatic cancer out of your wife? Can you turn your child's heart to God? Can you stop the hands of time? Can you're aging the ravages of broken relationships and a culture careening out of control? You see what he's saying there? He's saying like, yeah, it's, it is true. Like, you know, God is powerful and, you know, we can rely on him. But when we, these are all ways of just dismissing God in the moment because what we're saying when we do that is, you know, God can't possibly be present and at work here. Uh, he can't, you know, entering into suffering and sadness can't possibly be the way to growth. Uh, there's a great movie, classic kind of dad movie called The Shawshank Redemption. Anybody seen The Shawshank Redemption? Uh it's an awesome movie. It's about a, a guy who gets wrongfully imprisoned and escapes from prison. His how he escapes, and uh, at the beginning of the movie, all these prisoners get bussed to prison. You know, so he's in this group of new prisoners, and uh, the scene is that the guys who are already in prison are watching the bus pull up with all the new inmates, and what you find out is they're all taking bets on which guy is going to just break down crying that night. Because they've seen it every, you know, every time there's a new crop of prisoners, somebody just like loses it. And so they're taking bets and they place their bets. And then the nighttime comes and sure enough, like a guy starts whimpering and then he starts crying and then he starts shouting, I don't belong here. It's not supposed to be this way. There's been a mistake. You know, there's just gut wrenching. Like imagine if you got put in prison, how you would feel the first night and he's feeling all of it. And yet the prisoners, they all just laugh and, you know, they figure out who won their bed and, uh, you know, because they're cold to it. They've seen it. And, you know, we're like those prisoners that laugh. Uh, we think the honest crying out is just wasted energy. And when we do that, we demonstrate how little we know of God, you know. Uh, little, how little we know of the way God likes to work. And what I want to suggest to you and ask you is, you know, what if loss and waiting and disappointment, we face lots of that. What if all these pains we feel and just these things that aren't the way they're supposed to be aren't actually roadblocks at all or detours, but actually the road on the journey? You know, what if the awfulness and the honesty about the awfulness is actually like the on-ramp to the journey with God. And we keep trying to skip it. Uh, so, the, so God invites us to honesty. In fact, about a third of the psalms, there's 150 psalms, and about a third of them are kind of like this. They're laments. Uh, honest lament is about bringing all of ourselves to God, including the hard parts. That's where God wants to be. It's where he's found. He wants all of us. So I want to ask you, what if you... What if we laid out how messed up things are in our world to God? You know, what if we did that? You know, all the things that are messed up in our life, you know, family stuff, stuff that's happened to us, ways we've been hurt, things we look around and see in the world, you know, like we can do that. 
And we can even say, you know, God, you should care about this stuff because you love us and you hate when people suffer and you hate when people die and you hate when people hurt each other. Why does it seem like you don't care, God? Why does it seem like you're powerless, God? Uh, God invites us to do that. And so I want to encourage you, you know, maybe you can write down your own version of Psalm 13 this week. That's personal to you and see what God does with it. So that's, you know, we cry out. That's the first part of the journey. But then he moves to boldly seeking God's help uh, in verses three and four. And amazingly, the crying out didn't stop the conversation. You know, (laughs) you expect it to be like, you know, you cried out pretty boldly and now you got to like stop. But it keeps going to seeking God's help. Uh, When I was, I think, about a seventh or eighth grader, I went on a trip to Six Flags with three friends. And one of my friend's moms drove us there. It was like an hour to Six Flags, a little more than an hour. We got dropped off. And then it was like, you know, my friend's dad was going to drive an hour and pick us up at like 9 p.m. or something like that. So we were there all day having a blast. Remember, we're like seventh or eighth grade. We're idiots. And, uh we are goofing off and we like look at the, and there's no cell phones back then. So there's no way to be like, Hey, where are you guys? So we're like, I think we're, we show up at the car like 40 minutes late and we are like laughing, acting like fools, like getting in the car. It's all ju- like, we're just like shoving each other in there and acting like idiots. And the first thing my friend's dad said, you know, we were really late and he's probably having a bad day and he just goes, I'm so effing pissed. I can't even see straight. And we did not say a word for the whole hour ride home. Like we rode in silence from then on. Okay. Because you can't, what do you say after that? Like, how do you break that silence? Uh, And that's what you would expect with David. But David goes straight from crying out and saying, hey, God, seems like you're not here at all to consider and answer me, God. In verses three and four, this prayer for help. And what I want you to see, his crying out, the first part is the basis for his then calling upon God to intervene. Uh, You know, although he's just cried out in the lament, he still knows God's his only hope. And our temptation is to stop. You know, it's I can cry out. I can do verse 1 and 2. That's pretty easy. But then how do I move on to prayer and asking God to help me? And David, though, has the humility to consider that maybe he's not seeing the whole picture. You know, he's saying, this is how I feel. My feelings are valid, but maybe my feelings aren't the whole story. Uh, so it's right to cry out in, in, our, in our despair. We're meant to step back, though, and say, well, maybe there is a way. Maybe God is there after all. Maybe I don't know enough to conclude that all hope is truly lost. Uh, maybe it seems that way to me, but maybe it's not actually true. Maybe I should bring my suffering to the one who sees more than me. Uh, but you got to see that... Beginning with crying out honestly is how David arrives at boldly seeking God's help. The honesty has a way of solidifying the relationship, you know, because you can only cry out like that to someone you know, you know. It shows you know him if you can cry out to him. And then David asks for help. And so David asks for help. And, you know, I want to ask you guys tonight, do you do that? Do you pray? 
I'm talking about the big hurts, you know. I'm talking about things, the things that are really messed up. Can you bring those to the Lord? You cry out to show, for God to show up in the worst situations. You should. We should. Uh, and it can be as simple as, hey, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to help me. Please fix this. Uh, and so it's an invitation, first of all, to honesty, but then to boldness in asking God for help. And then the way the psalm ends is that he reaffirms his trust in the Lord. Uh, he says in verses five and six, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. You know, we talked about steadfast love last week, this covenant love of God. Uh, this love is rooted in a promise that says, you know, I'll never let go of my people. It's done. Uh, David writes, my heart shall rejoice. Uh, if you've been around RUF, you know, I talk about faith uh, as an, uh, you know, about the object of our faith. Now, I often use the illustration of walking on ice, which I love to do this time of year. Um, you know, think about walking on ice and you're stepping out onto the ice and you could feel all kinds of ways. You could feel really confident or you could feel really scared, but what's going to hold you up is the ice itself. You know, what matters more than how you feel is whether the ice is thick, whether it's strong. Uh, faith is like that. It's about, you know, it's about the object and what's the, ob- you know, what is David looking at? He's saying, it really seems like the ice is going to break. It seems like I'm going to fall in, but you've said you won't forsake me. You said it's not going to break, so here I am on the ice. That's what faith is. It's being on the ice, no matter how you feel. It becomes so real to David that he can actually speak of his current crisis, whatever it is, in the past tense. (laughs) And did you notice that? He says, God has dealt bountifully with me at the end. And he's saying that someday, like, it's like, I know that someday I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, wow, God was so amazing, even in that awful mess. That's the promise. That's the hope that someday when we look back on COVID or our family badness or, you know, things that have hurt us, we're going to say God was amazing even in that awful mess. Uh, That's your hope if you belong to God. Uh, How can you maintain the hope? How can you endure on the journey? Uh, You can endure The only reason you can endure is because God actually entered the mess. Besides having a God that invites us to cry out to him, him, what's unique about our faith is that we have a God who suffered. Uh, We have a God who became a man and entered in, so he knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by his family and friends. Uh, he's, he actually did cry out, my God, my God, you know, have you forgotten me? And there was no answer. As he died, he called out to the one he thought would be there and there was no answer. Uh, his enemies did overcome him, you know, like in the Psalm, he's saying, my enemies are going to overcome me. Jesus' enemies did, and they rejoiced. Uh, he says, I don't want to sleep the sleep of death. Jesus did sleep the sleep of death. Uh, In other words, everything that the psalmist in this psalm doesn't want to happen, Jesus freely took. And he took it so that you wouldn't have to. He took it so that suffering could go away. And so the journey is honestly cry out. Don't hold back. Let it all out. And then boldly pray for help 
and then trust and look to Jesus and rejoice and repeat. And you can repeat this cycle. And that's the Christian life. Uh, and because Jesus took death, it means that we'll rejoice and rejoice and rejoice someday. Uh, but while we wait, we can join all of God's people on the journey. It starts out with cries of pain and suffering and ends with God himself forever. Uh, so that's Psalm 13. Uh, let me pray for us and then we'll do a little discussion time. So, uh, Father, uh, we pray that uh, Psalm 13 would be our journey. I pray that you'd help us to honestly face what's really there in our lives and without fear. Uh, that we would trust in you, that you would strengthen our faith, uh, you'd show us more of Jesus so that we might believe. And we pray that our confidence would be in you, that you would be our trust, and pray that you'd help these students along, especially in this time, which is dark in all kinds of ways. And I know they face a lot in their individual lives too. Uh, help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.